Hello and welcome. I am Caitlin McCluskey and welcome to the Murder Mystery Podcast. Today we will be talking about an overdose of death and I am joined with my good friend Charlotte Martin. Hello. Hi, sorry, you described me as your good friend. I believe I'm your best friend. Thank you. (laughs) Hi. Ooh, murder. This is fun. Right? And so, just to give you some more background, the book is called An Overdose of Death by Agatha Christie. I am going to be telling Charlotte a murder mystery story where she can ask questions and then guess the answer Mm. of the murder, along with any listeners. Um, so, it, yes, go ahead. Is it a short story? Is it a long story? No, it's a long story. We're here for the long haul. Okay. <laughs> so the the other thing is, is that I know Charlotte reads Egg of Christie's, but I didn't want to tell her about this. So I had to pick um, a kind of not um, famous book, hopefully, hoping mm-hmm. that she hasn't read it before. I've not read. Oh, so I'll give you, so the book was originally published as 1-2 Buckle My Shoe in 1945, um, and it was released. I don't think so. <laughs> it was released in the U.S. as The Patriotic Murders, and then later, like, republished as An Overdose of Death. Okay. So do you want to get into it? Yes. Okay. So our story starts at Dr. Morley's house. He is a dentist. He's at home with his sister. Do you want to take? You can. I'm taking notes. I didn't know that there was going to be some sort of quiz to this. (laughs) Feel, ask questions as we go. If anything's unclear, stop me. Or um, if you want to go back over something. And we're starting with Dr. Morley. I don't know if he's going to be murdered or. (laughs) So yeah, Dr. Morley and his sister, they're at home. They're having breakfast. And Morley's annoyed because his, so he's a dentist. You know, that's his day job. Um, his secretary, who kind of like, she, she's called the secretary, but she's actually like the hygienist, kind of like she's helping mm-hmm. him through all of the his procedures. Um, she's gotten a telegram saying that her aunt had a stroke and so has had to go away that morning. So he's like all annoyed because he thinks that she's lying. Her name is Gladys Neville because she has this like unsatisfactory boyfriend or in his mind, he doesn't like the boyfriend and thinks that the boyfriend, like it's a scheme between the two of them and they've gone away together. So he's a little bit annoyed, but he leaves for work and says to his sister, him and his sister live together above, it's like an apartment above the dentist office. So he says mm-hmm. like, he's going downstairs, um, but I'll be back up for a sandwich at half past one as usual. Okay. So that's Dr. Morley. Next we're introduced to Mr. Ambriotis. Um, that is spelt A-M-B-E-R-I-O-T-I-S. Um, I'm pronouncing it Ambriotis, but who knows? <laughs> he's Greek. Okay. Um, he's kind of, you get this idea that he's like a womanizer and maybe like a little sleazy. Um, like he's How do we like get shady. this? Is this from Dr. Morley's point of view? Is this no, no, we're given, it's like a third person like narrator. Okay. So we're giving we're giving like a couple paragraphs on him, but you're just you just get the idea that he's a womanizer, and he has an appointment at the dentist at twelve o'clock, and he's also he he's clearly in pain, and but he's also dreading this appointment. Like he really doesn't want to go to the dentist. Mm-hmm. Next we have Miss Sainsbury Seal. Um, she doesn't have a dentist appointment, but she is she's trying the dentist is trying to fit her in because she also has just she's got this toothache that kind of came on suddenly. 
Um, and she seems to be like this dithering wo- woman. She's like no strong convictions. She's like a middle-aged, um, middle-class woman. So kind of like, you know, unexciting. Mm-hmm. Next, we have this guy, Mr. Alistair Blunt. Um, and he's introduced by the point of view of a coworker. He seems to be like kind of like a high-powered businessman. Uh, again, has some kind of pain in his mouth, the co- as the co-worker is describing, um, that he can see and is also going to the dentist. And then... So is the co-worker the narrator? No, this was just for Alistair Blunt. It was like, again, a t- like a two-paragraph narration. Okay. Um, co-worker doesn't figure into it ever again, so don't worry about that. <laughs> and then finally, we have... Hercule Poirot, our main detective character. Ooh, it's a Hercule Poirot story. It is. I know. I love these. And so he he arrives at the dentist. That's how we kind of were introduced to him for the first time in this did story. Did he have an appointment? He did have an appointment. Um, he actually has regular checkups because he's so like meticulous that he has to come every six months no matter what. So Dr. Morley is his dentist. Dr. Morley is his dentist. This is a routine thing. He is just there for a six-month checkup. But... He also has a tooth that's bothering him and he's kind of hoping the dentist doesn't notice because he doesn't want to like, you know, get the drill and everything. Um, but like Dr. Morley's a good I dentist. Know. Sorry? If it sounds like somebody I know. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so he gets, he's sitting in the waiting room before he goes up to talk to Morley and there's this guy sitting across from him who kind of like, Poirot describes him, says he says he looks like a murderer. So that's oh, like your what you're led to Do think we about know him. Which one kind of, it is? It's it's none of them. It's this oh. new it's a new character that we will get introduced to later. Um but he he's like he look he's like, you know, he's shifty, like he's looking like side to side, like he kind of just looks um just shady, mm-hmm. I guess you would describe. Um but yeah, we'll talk more about him later. So that's Poirot Poir is in the waiting room with him, so that's kind of per timeline. Um, I, which I will come back to. I'll go over the timeline in a minute. So Poirot's waiting in the waiting room. He goes up. Um, Morley, while he's working on his teeth, is telling him that after Poirot, he has a high power client, Alistair Blunt, which he says, he's kind of talking about him, basically says Alistair Blunt is so rich, he controls half of Europe. Wow. So that, yeah, so he's, he, we, we just kind of saw him as a businessman and now we're like, oh, shoot, he's a big deal. Yeah. At least it's so pow- Dr. Morley. Yeah, according to Dr. Morley. So Poirot gets back to the waiting room and the sketchy, like, shifty man is still there. Um, and then it also, Blunt is also sitting in the waiting room. It's just those two men. And then Blunt gets called up to the dentist because he was directly after um, Poirot. So there are um, two dentists in this office. Dr. Morley is one of them. And then the other one is Dr. Riley. Okay. We'll talk, we can talk more about that later as well. So... Poirot exits the office. I should say that the office, like getting in and out of the office is controlled by this uh, page boy. Again, mm-hmm. we're going to be introduced to him later. But so the, the door is locked from the outside. So to get in, you have to knock or ring the bell. The page boy gets you. But to leave, you can just open the door and then it locks behind you. Okay. So Poirot leaves. And as he's leaving, um, he sees this woman getting out of the car. And he's introduced to her by her like, her like um, cheap new looking patent leather shoe with this big buckle on it. And the woman gets out and as she's getting out, the buckle falls off, like it rips off. Uh, and so pa- like Poirot stoops down in all his like gentlemanly glory and picks up the buckle and hands it back to this woman. 
So we don't we don't know at the time who this woman is, but we will know in the future that it was Miss Sainsbury Seal. Okay. Sorry, so is Miss Sainsbury Seal is you spell that like S C E N E S Bury, like that how we're saying it? Sain Sainsbury is S A I N. Oh Sainsbury. Okay, okay, I gotcha. So Poirot goes home and shortly after he gets home he receives receives a call from Inspector Jap, who has also come up in several mysteries in different books yeah. before this. He's like, um, I think he's from the yard. Like, he's not just the regular police. He's mm-hmm. and he doesn't he's more like important than that. Yeah, they don't really get on. So this is, just fun fact, this is the last book that Inspector Jap appears in. This huh. is his last mystery. Is that some sort of, like, racist... <laughs> I was thinking that too because I've never had to say it out loud, but it's spelled J A P P, and I oh. assume that's how it's pronounced. But yeah, I also, okay. it's not. Yeah, I don't think it's supposed to be racist. Yeah, I guess that's just his name. I never thought about it loud either. Right, and do you like how would you pronounce that? Jap. Yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. So who knows? But um, so he gets a call from him. And he asked Poirot how Morley had seemed at the dentist office. And so Poirot was like, yeah, seems the same. And uh, Inspector Jop's like, well, he shot himself. So sorry. maybe you want to come down here. Dr. Morley shot himself? Dr. Yeah, Morley right. shot himself. Mm-hmm. So Poirot goes to meet Jop at the dentist office to kind of like see what's up, what's up. Um, sees the body, you know, they're kind of talking. And neither Jop nor Poirot are happy with the verdict. Neither of them are like, yeah, this makes sense. But the, the dead guy's found in his office, um, with the revolver in his hand and a, like, okay. a gunshot wound through his head. So they're like, what else, like, what else could it could be? There is kind of like a little scuff on the carpet that kind of looks like he could have been dragged. And so they kind of like, note mm. that. yeah. So the body was discovered by a page boy, the page boy who's there, his name is Alfred Higgs. Um, and he's kind of, he seems like a dumb guy, but I was also like terrified of Dr. Morley. So the body, the last patient left at 1224. The body wasn't discovered until 130 because Alfred paid or Alfred Hicks, the page boy was like, had not, the buzzer had not been rang saying that they were ready for a new patient. And he did not want to go into the dentist office if the buzzer had not been rang. Like he was, following the rules and so he waited a full hour before finally he was like okay i should go see what's up i think he might have even asked the other dentist two questions yeah go for it sorry you said that he wasn't found till 11 30 but what happened at 12 he wasn't found till 1 30 sorry what happened at 12 um the last patient that dr morley saw left at 12 24 oh he didn't leave that and then you had mentioned something about a sandwich at half past one was he eating a sandwich at half past one or did he finish his sandwich at half past one so he was he had told his sister that he would be back for his sandwich at half past one as usual so that might have been uh, that the sister came down and was okay. like he isn't exactly. back as usual okay last patient twelve twenty four, or twelve twenty five, something around there okay um so the doc you know the doctor comes in and is like Ah, time of death, everything. And so this time frame, the doctor's like, I don't want to really be specific, but he couldn't have died after 1 p.m. It has to have been, like, I I would say it has to be before, but I would actually, like, if I can't be specific, but I'd say much before. Hmm. That doesn't really make sense. Unless he died before 12.25. 
there's the doctor really like you know not super clear but Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was the occurred couldn't have occurred after 1 p.m is what he said um and so the last patient that left was mr ambriotis who had left at the 12 24 p.m So Jap doesn't think that the way the body is lying looks natural, and Poirot suggests, but they don't really have a motive, so Poirot suggests that a motive, which was that while he was sitting in the dentist chair, Morley had kind of talked about how he was really good with faces, and just the other day had recognized someone that he didn't remember the name, but remembered the face. And so Poirot suggests that possibly he recognized someone that he shouldn't have, and so he was gotten rid of because of that recognition. Interesting. This is Poirot's idea. This is Poirot's idea. Jap's not really, but like he's not super into it, but it's an idea. So they then go to talk to the sister, Miss Georgina Morley, who was living, like was upstairs the entire time. And she's kind of describing like nothing was seemed off with Morley. There's no reason he should have committed suicide. Um, like she didn't think he had any enemies, except possibly she starts describe, describing the sec- secretary, Gladys, mm-hmm. and saying that she was perfectly like adequate. She was a really good, she did her job well. She was like timely, everything, blah, 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 blah. Um, but that her boyfriend was maybe unsatisfactory. Ooh. And so, and Morley didn't like the boyfriend. It had told Gladys that he didn't like the boyfriend. And so if that had gotten back to the boyfriend, they think that possibly like he might've been upset in some way. So she was like, that's the only thing I can think of who would be against him. Otherwise, like he has no enemies. Two questions. Mm-hmm. The sister, what was her name? Um, sister is Georgina Morley. She's not going to factor into the story. I can tell you that. Okay. And then second, like, I don't, maybe I don't think the she comes guy. Up again. Oh, well, that's weird. Second, maybe the guy who is sitting in the waiting room was the boyfriend. That's my suspicion. Possibly. But I don't, but I don't think he did it yet. I don't know who did it. Okay. So the boyfriend's name is Carter Frank. Mm-hmm. Your notes. So as they're talking to the sister, Miss Neville, the secretary, arrives back from her aunt's and she says right away, the telegram was a practical joke. She's really upset about it. She had gotten to her aunt's and her aunt had not had a stroke and was really confused and they were both just confused together. Interesting. So, um, so then she's also able to tell them the schedule of the appointments. So it goes. Okay, yeah, I'm listening. It goes at a 10 a.m. There was Mrs. Soames. At 10.30 a.m. It was Lady Grant. Neither of those two are mentioned before or ever again, so don't worry about them. Um, and then at 11, it's Hercule Poirot. Mm-hmm. 11.30 was Alistair Blunt. He was then going to... Alistair Blunt was supposed to be a short appointment because he had been in shortly before to prepare the filling. So... Um, they were going to try and fit Miss Sainsbury's seal in at 11.45. And then Mr. Ambriotis was at 12. And then Mrs. Kirby was supposed to be at 12.30. And so Mrs. Kirby's appointment never, she never got to it because she was never called. She sat in the waiting room for 45 minutes and then got real pissed off and left. That was because the page boy like refused to go into Morley's office. Interesting. Okay, so Ambriotis was at 12, and then the, what was the lady's name? Was supposed to be after? Mrs. Kirby. Kirby didn't end up going because the guy was dead. Yep. So they get some, that's about all they go with Miss Neville. I guess the other thing, like, 
she, they, she brings them into, there was like the dentist room and then connecting to it was the office room. So she's kind of showing them the papers within there in the office room. Mm-hmm. Um, she also tells them a little bit about the other dentist whose name is Mr. R- uh, Riley. He's mm-hmm. Irish and there might be some like question that he's part of the IRA, I think is brought up later, but there's not, there's not too much discussion about that. He seems fine from the point, like the point of view we get in the book. Okay. Um, they, they then talk to Alfred, the page boy, they get some details from him. He says that the only non-patient who had showed up that day, and they're kind of, they're pretty certain that no one else could get in because the door was locked and Alfred had to let you in was Carter Frank, the boyfriend. So he wanted to talk to Morley. He was all pissed. And when Alfred said he couldn't, he would have to wait for lunchtime because um, Morley was really busy that day. Um, uh, Carter Frank said he'd wait in the waiting room. So he was in the waiting room at some point. Um, he also says that the sneaky looking man in the waiting room that would have been in the waiting room at the same time as Poirot, um, his name is Mr. Rakes. He's an American. Um, and he'd actually left before his appointment ever happened. Like he walked out. He stood up the dentist. Mm-hmm. So the sneaky guy wasn't with Carter Frank. No, it wasn't Carter Frank, and it um it wasn't he wasn't had didn't have an appointment with Mister Doctor Morley. He had an appointment with the other dentist. Mm-hmm. Okay. But he um, didn't end up seeing him. He and he didn't end up seeing him. Correct. Okay, and so your Cooper probably never saw Carter Frank. No. I don't think they crossed paths. The only people that Poirot saw was in the waiting room, the American Mr. Rakes, then Alistair Blunt afterwards, and then Miss Sainsbury Seal outside. With the shoe. Okay. With the shoe. So, next, Jap. I Inspector Jap is kind of thinking, like, we got to talk to Ambriotis. Um, so they call up the hotel where he's staying um, to say, we're coming, like, we're going to come talk to you. And he says that he's actually feeling really ill, and so he won't talk to anyone today. And Inspector Jap's like, uh, no, we're coming. But yeah. nice try. And they've like, I think his, they know his name. Like, we don't really, we don't know too much about him yet, but you get the feeling that like the cops know about him already. Like he's, mm. he's a name they've been watching. So they've called up the hotel. They're coming, they're going to go see him. But before they do that, um, Alistair Blunt has said he'll see them and they kind of care about his time more because he's more important. So they got to see him first. So he shares nothing useful. He says that Morley didn't seem out of the ordinary when he was with him. Um, nothing really happens in that meeting. And then when they're leaving, this young woman is getting out of a car to go into the house, Alistair Blunt's house. Um, and she chases after them and asks what has happened to her, her uncle. So her name is Jane Oliveira. She's the like grandniece of Alistair Blunt, but I don't think blood related. Mm. Alistair Blunt had had a, like, he's, he's both, pretty rich like he's a good businessman himself but he had married a really rich woman um who was a lot older than him and had they'd been married for a while and like everyone thought they were really happy together like they looked really content um and when she died everyone expected him to like marry again and he didn't because he was just like content like he was just happy so um he doesn't have very many blood relatives but this one so this one is would have been related to his um wife and what's her name um, the niece, the grand niece's name is Jane Oliveira. And so she was saying, what happened? But like, she gets, she's all worked up and is like, what has happened to my uncle? And they say, oh, everything's fine with him. We're just talking to him about a shooting at, um, Dr. Morley being shot at, at the dentist office. 
And I think she says, but that's absurd. And they mean, and they're kind of like, what do you mean? And she's like, oh, I just like, you know, I'm just worried for him. Like there's always attempts on his life or things like that. And then she goes into the house and they leave. That's a weird interaction. Yep. So next they visit uh, Mrs. Sainsbury Seal. And what about, basic- what about, sorry, they haven't seen the Greek guy yet. No, we're getting to him. So it's like on the way to Mr. Ambriotis, the Greek guy's hotel. They stop by Miss Sainsbury Seal's hotel. Um, and she's basically noticed nothing. Again, kind of useless. She gives us this whole like story of like, she was an actor and then she went to India and this and this. Um, like just kind of like wanting to, they, they always have a, someone in these stories who just like wants to talk about themselves. So this is her. <laughs> and, um, she does say that when she was in the waiting room, a man had just got up and left. She had seen him leave the waiting room, but couldn't confirm that he had left the building. And they assume that that was Mr. Rakes. Rakes. Now they're going on, they're on the way to see Mr. Ambriotis. So they get there and they ask the hotel to speak to him. And the hotel clerk's like, uh, you can't speak to him. And Inspector Jobs like, uh, yes, we can. And the guy goes, uh, no, he's been dead for 30 minutes. You can't speak to him. Yes. So, dun, 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 cliffhanger. We got two dead people now. Yep, we do. <gasps> what? Oh my god, I have a theory. Yeah, what do you my think? theory? Yeah, what if... What if um, Dr. Morley killed himself, even though mm-hmm. I think he didn't, because mm-hmm. he had poisoned Mr. Ambriotis? So, let's get on to the next day, where Ooh. Inspector Jop calls up Poirot and said, Ambriotis died of an overdose of mm-hmm. an- anesthesia. <gasps> so, you're exactly right. That's exactly what they say. They're like, this isn't a murder. Yes, he, he committed suicide because he boxed and gave him an overdose, realized what happened, and kill- like, and then was like, I, I just killed a man. Like, okay. I can't live anymore. Yes, but also, why don't you just try to, like help the man who's had too much anesthesia. Yeah. Good. Honestly, I don't even think anyone ever brings that up in the story, but good point. Is there, is there anything you can do, or are you just dead if that happens? I don't know. Like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't take my super serious job serious enough, and now you're dead, and there's nothing you can do about it. I'll just kill myself as well. I guess I guess there's no, no point living. Let's so, both die. <laughs> <laughs> so Jop's like, of course he committed suicide, but this isn't really satisfying for Poirot. Yeah. We also, though, we learn Jop gives more information on Ambriotis and is kind of like, he was a really bad character. The police knew about him for espionage and blackmailing, but he had never done anything to the point where they could arrest him. Like, he was really, really, like, slippery. It's probably how they describe him. What was the other book that I swear you read, like, it was Angus Christie as well, that I just read? Or maybe you were... I don't know why I just read it. Where there was also someone who was a spy in the book. Um, he was like a German spy, I think. There's a lot of books with spies. Um, oh, just to be clear, this was published in 1945, so like mm, big war time. So it's like it's on the brain. So and yeah. also sidebar: Agatha Christie published at least one book every year for like 40 years. Wow. Maybe more, maybe 50, maybe 50 years, because she published, like, 80 books. That's a lot. Like, at least one a year. Like, she might have missed a couple years, but she made up for it by, like, publishing three the next year. They're like... So he's, he's like, this blackmailing character. Like, you just, you get this idea that, like, okay, he, 
he could, they might have, people might have gone in to get rid of him too. Like who knows? He seems like this bad guy, um, and he's dead. So we'll get nothing further from him. So Poirot's like, n I, none of this. I don't tr like what is going on. So he gets out his notebook and writes down a few lines. The first one is mm. Ambriotis. Period. Espionage. Period. In England for that purpose? Question mark. Was in India last year during period of riots and unrest? Could be a communist agent? Question mark. Hmm. Then he writes Frank Carter? Question mark. Morley thought him unsatisfactory. Was discharged from his employment recently. Why? Okay, that's true. I forgot to mention that. So Frank Carter had recently been fired. Oh, and so he knew a bit about the workings of the like office space as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. For the page going stuff. Yeah. What was what was his job? Um, he hadn't, he wasn't working for the dentist. He, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't oh. know where he was working. Like he might've been like some secretary. I don't know where he sorry, was. I don't mind. even think it's mentioned. Yeah, no, sorry. It wasn't for the dentist, but he had recently been fired from his, uh, his actual job. Okay. Um, next he writes Howard Rakes, question mark. That's the American. Then he writes, but that's absurd. Question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> then he writes Mr. Barnes, question mark. Wait. Who is Mr. Barnes again? Good question. Okay. It's a question mark. And then he writes, Morley's office, question mark, mark on carpet, possibilities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So these are Her Hercule Poirot's thoughts. So next, Poirot's written all this down, he's chilling, and he goes to visit Mr. Barnes. And so I was thinking the same thing. I was Lawyer. like, who's Mr. Barnes? Lawyer. Where? At uh, Mr. Barnes' house. No, no, I'm saying lawyer, potentially? Oh, yeah. So it turns out I kind of I glazed over this, but Mr. Barnes had been a patient of the other doctor on the same day, mm. um, the Mr. Riley. And we found out that he, it turns out he's a reti he's retired from the home office. So he's like a 007 agent or like was in charge of them or something. Spy. Yeah. Spy. So he goes <gasps> to talk to him. Oh, my God. And what? Guess he was also a spy. Mr. Ambriotis. Mm. Oh, winky dink. I Ooh. think not. Okay, let's go. So he was at the dentist to see Riley and had sat opposite Mr. Ambriotis as well. Mm. So kind of probably in between when Paro was there. Um, and his theory is that, quote unquote, they, like the the big they, had tried to get Morley to kill Blunt for them because Blunt's like the super high-powered guy. Um, and since... He had said, no, since Morley said, no, I'm not killing anybody, he now knows too much and they had to get rid of Morley. Okay. He thinks that um, they will come for Blunt's life again, so, like, Poirot should be watching. And he suspects Riley, the other dentist, that is in on it. He thinks that there's he, there's some connection with Irish IRA, something, something, something. Mm. Interesting. So the next day, Poirot calls up Jack about the inquest, and, of course, Paro won't be attending, but he kind of asks, like, have you asked the Sainsbury Seal woman to testify? And Jop's like, no, don't need her. And Paro goes, oh, well, you might want to check up on her because she left her hotel last night before dinner and never returned home. Like, never returned back to the hotel and didn't bring, take anything with her. Everything is still in her room. Uh oh, oh my God, they're all dying in this freaking thing. So she also, she had seemed to... Um, like, she seemingly should have returned. Like, she'd made plans for people to do things after dinner and, like, 
at the hotel you're supposed to like say if you won't be somewhere for dinner and she hadn't said she wouldn't be back for dinner. Mm-hmm. So that's suspicious. Okay, so Paro and Jop go to visit the hotel to see like what's up and they go to a room. Nothing is out of the ordinary. The only thing that Paro kind of like looks at is um, her like style and goes on and on about like how like her clothes are basically ugly. Um, and she, he goes, like, he's going through her stockings, and he's like, oh, they're, like, woolen. I guess she likes wool by her skin. That was weird. And then goes to her shoes and is looking at them, and they're called kind of, like, you know, whatever, plain. But he notices that the evening shoes are one size too small, like, a smaller than the other ones. And he's like, that's a little weird. Hmm. So... Um, they also find some, like, letters addressed uh, from friends, they think, from, like, a couple months ago, and so they note those down to go visit those people. It kind of turns up nothing. All it is is that she hasn't really seen any of her friends in a couple of months, but also she had just returned from India within the year. So, how many friends did she really have? Is she a spy as well for India? (laughs) Doesn't seem like it. I think that, like, they're gonna check up on her whole story, or they did check up on her whole story, and everything checked out. Like, it was totally above board. Like, it was all exactly what she said it was she was a missionary in, uh, in india um okay. the only thing that they say she glossed over was she glossed over she had had a marriage she glossed over that it was with an indian um mm. but they had been divorced for a while and there doesn't seem anything weird there they're kind of like yeah she probably glossed over it because people were racist back then i don't know yeah people are still racist sorry people were more racist back then um Poirot then goes to visit um Mr. Rakes while he eats breakfast so he kind of like finds Mr. Rakes hotel and then doesn't tell him he's coming and goes and just sits at his table while he's eating breakfast so Rakes so, like, is pissed off a lot of people are in hotels well he's the American so that makes sense yeah he's the American yeah it seems I I get this kind of sense from reading a lot of Agatha Christie so that's just what people did in England back then was like mm-hmm. live in hotels yeah and it seemed like more normal like you there were like um like, all these, like, sitting areas and things. Like, it was totally set up for you to be able to, like, live there. So, Rakes is pissed off. He's convinced that Blunt has hired Poirot to spy on him. He's mad about it. Um, and he's definitely, like, you you know that he's, like, an idealist. So, uh, the way that was, be- like, I was kind of describing it was, um, it's as if, like, you don't like President, like, Tr- Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. It's that, ki- that kind of feeling of, like, you... You would you would like that Trump wasn't president, or I would like that Trump isn't president. I, I'm not. We do not have the same ideals. So that was kind of the feeling that Rakes had towards Alistair Blunt. Alistair Blunt not being a mm-hmm. like a politician, but being kind of like in control of like he was very yeah. he is very powerful. And so Rakes be like has like there was all this ideology at the time about like um, like socialism and communism and those kinds of things. And so the British there were some British people that wanted British government to take on more socialist ideals, but high power people like Alistair Blunt were, they had so much money and power that they were like, uh, no, we're doing it my way. Like they're like old order, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so you kind of get the idea that Rakes wouldn't have minded if Blunt was dead or out of the way, maybe is the way he would have put it. That's so weird. So Rakes just like, he's an American who just happened to know? I mean, I guess everyone knows Will Blunt because that's the whole point. Like he's like some. That's the whole point. He's 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 basically he is like Trump. Like everyone knows about Trump, uh, but maybe he's more well liked than I like it's not see. the same. It's more maybe Bill Gates is maybe a better example. Okay. 
but it's it's you've also given the idea that he's he he like has all the politicians in his pocket and things like that. So why is Mr. Rakeson written? Do we know? Good question. No, we don't know yet. Spy, spy, they're all spies. We will know. We will know. <laughs> so Poirot gets home and his butler's like, "You have a visitor. There's a woman here." And Poirot thinks he knows who it is, but he's wrong. I think. It's, can I tell you who I think it is? I think yeah, it's Jane Oliveira. Mm, I think that's who Poirot thinks it is, too. Oh, okay. It's Gladys that? Neville, the secretary. Right. So she has come because she's just been to the inquest, and she wants to. She, they've announced that it's suicide because of the overdose. And she just wants to tell Poirot that there's no way that Morley could have, by, like, by accident, given an overdose of anesthesia. Uh, there's no way that he could have given an overdose because it's not like at the chemist where you're giving constantly different doses of medication. So there's like a chance you might like, if you're not thinking, you could get the wrong dose. It's the exact same dose every single time for ev- like every type of person. It's the same dose of anesthesia. So it's mechanical, like a dentist, like a dentist. If they were doing anything by accident, they'd by accident give the correct dose. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so she's like, there's no way it could be by accident. And Porto kind of goes, well, do you know what you're suggesting if it wasn't by accident? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I know the other option is that he killed him on purpose. And I don't believe that at all either. So I just, I just wanted to say, I just don't believe it. I don't like, I don't know what's going on, but I don't believe it. Okay. So Ambriotis was after Sainsbury. Are we confirmed that Sainsbury left? Oh, right. So this is. This is the pro- this is exactly the problem is they do say in the book who the page boy sees leaving because he doesn't normally see people leave because they can mm-hmm. let themselves out. Right. So I don't like, I don't know that he he sees very many. I don't remember who he sees leave. Okay. I think they do. The book does say, but I didn't write it down, so I don't know. Okay, I'm just wondering, you know, maybe someone was still in the room, or I don't know. We don't know. We don't. Okay. So, um, Poirot also convinces Gladys... Oh, Gladys tells him that her boyfriend has gotten a new job in the country where he, like, basically goes there and works six days a week and is getting paid $10 a week, which is, like, crazy. Like, that's... A normal amount is, like, maybe, like, two to three dollars. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess pounds. Sorry. He's getting paid 10 pounds a week. A normal amount would be, like, two to three pounds a week. So he's a spy as well. So there's like, yeah, what's going on with him? And he also hasn't really told her exactly what the job is. And the fact that he has to go to the country for it is a little weird. Um, so Poirot asks, it's the next day is Sunday, his only day off. And so Poirot asks if they'll both meet him for lunch the next day, which Gladys agrees to. Okay. So the next day, Frank and Gladys meet Poirot for lunch. And Frank seems like a real, like, D-bag. Like, he... Not shifty, just, like, he gives you that impression of, like, he's trying to be, like, super manly and tough, but isn't, and is, like, kind of cocky, like, that kind of attitude, Mm -hmm. um, and he doesn't want to talk to Poirot at all, because he's, like, you're with, like, Morley didn't want me to be with Gladys, I'm great for her, like, who are you to tell me I'm not, like, you're just here to tell me I shouldn't be with her, and Poirot's kind of like, no, I'm not, but whatever. that's nothing. (laughs) Yeah, so you they kind of get no information out of him, except that he kind of now has, like, a better idea of who this guy is. Yeah. So next, um, Poirot just sits at home and lays out all of the possible suspects. So he goes through all the people that we know. Like, he kind of says, like, you know, it could have been 
the house staff or the sister, but like they haven't really been considered and all like their stories check out. And then all of these people and he realized that he's been overlooking Mr. Barnes as a suspect because he had been part of the home office. He's kind of like written him off. And so he adds him back into his suspect list. Um, And then Jane Oliveira calls and asks to see Poirot. And this is where Poirot is not surprised. He was waiting for Jane Oliveira to call him. Yeah. So Poirot arrives at the Blunt Mansion where Jane Oliveira is staying with her uncle. And um, he's in the, like, whatever room with Alistair Blunt is there. And so is Jane Oliveira. And they're tell- Jane Oliveira tells him the story that three months ago, Mr. Blunt had been to the dentist, like, again, pre- previously. And Jane Oliveira had gone in the car with him because she was going to town later. And when they when they were dropping off Mr. Blunt at the dentist office... This woman had stepped out of the, she had been coming out of the dentist office and had said to Mr. Blunt, oh, like, don't you recognize me? I was a great friend of your wife's, yada, yada, yada. And Jane Oliver remembers because it was such a weird name that it's Miss Sainsbury Seal. So she's like, isn't that weird that there's this connection? Yeah. So so she's like, yeah. I have a question. Okay, you finish your thought and then I'm going to add a question. Okay. So uh, they're basically like, um, they're basically saying that all women do this all the time where they say they're a great friend of um, Alistair Blunt's wife. And normally he's like, I don't believe you. I would know you if you were a friend of my wife's. Like I know who her good friends are. Um, But normally he gives them like a subscription, like he'll give them money for a subscription. Like they normally want money for charity. And so that's what he did with this woman. She was really, I forgot the charity she was into, but he gives her, gives her five pounds subscription okay sorry side note so just to go over poirot was at the dentist because he had a usual checkup blunt was at the dentist because he had a toothache yep sainsbury pushed her way into the office right she was the one yeah and then yeah she had an appointment she just also had a toothache yeah and then why was ambriotis there again he had a toothache toothache so they're not like usual people going for their like so right, Mr. So I'm thinking, Blunt like, and why would Blunt and Sainsbury have been at the dentist at the same time three months earlier? Yeah, good question. No, that's exactly exactly the question. They're both they both are Mr. Marley's patients. Ambriotis is the only one that did not was not like he's from Greece. He was kind of new to the country. Um, okay. He was recommended to Mr. Morley probably, but he's not a usual like this was his first time. Whereas everyone else has been before. Okay, and then what about Kirby? Do we know anything about him? Like, did, was he a usual? Kirby. The guy who was after Ambriotis but didn't get to go to his appointment because he was annoyed. Oh, the, sorry, the woman, Mrs. Kirby. Um, uh, she doesn't factor into the story. Okay. She never comes up again, so I don't know. Got it. Um. So they, t- yeah, they tell him this whole story, this kind of little rigmarole. But Poirot knows that that's not the real reason Jane Oliveira has called him. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, she says she'll walk him out. And on the way out, she pulls him into a room and is like, "Okay, listen." Um, Poirot had basically guessed correctly that Jane is in love with Rakes, the American. Whoa, so she tells him whoa, this whole thing whoa, about whoa, how. Whoa. How did he Jane know Oliver- that? I don't know. Jane Oliveira and her mother, Mrs. Oliveira, had been living in the States. And part of the reason Mrs. Oliveira had brought Jane to the UK was to get her away from this unsatisfactory gentleman, Mr. Rakes. Oh, you didn't say that Jane was American. Yeah, I think she might also have a British accent. I don't really know. Oh, okay. And so that's why Rakes is in America. And And why he doesn't like Blunt. 
Um, possibly. possibly. So, Blunt has all these, sorry, Rakes has all these ideal, ideological views. So the reason is uh, that he was in, he was the one in the, um, he had, was in, like in the waiting room at the same time as Blunt is because Jane Oliveira had sent, set him up a dentist appointment with Mr. Riley, Dr. Riley, so that he could be in the waiting room at Mr. Blunt at the same time and get a view of him because she wanted Rakes to see who had never met her uncle before and probably never would because there was no opportunity. They were in different classes mm-hmm. um, to see that he was actually a really nice guy. Like her uncle was like really nice and like genuine. So she set up this appointment just so they could meet. Um, clearly had not gone over well. He did still wasn't into him, but. But that's why she was all weirded out. Because maybe she that's so that's why she was all weirded out. Okay. Yeah, she because she she knew that Rakes had these ideological views and was worried that she had set up this appointment and that he had like on the spur of the moment killed mm-hmm. Mr. Blunt. So that was what exactly that's why she had said like that's absurd. So then a month goes by. Ooh. There's a huge huge break in the case of a month, and they still haven't found Miss Sainsbury Seal. She still disappeared. <sighs> Yeah. Okay. So that's like a little weird. Um, and then another week later from that, I think Poro and Inspector Jap talked at the month later. I'm not sure. But then another week goes by and Jap calls Poro to say they have found the seal woman. She's dead. She is dead. So Poro goes to the address that's given. Um, and he showed up to this apartment where her body was found and she's in a trunk in this like big metal chest that would have like a fur chest. You would have like airtight sealed them off. That's why like the smell wasn't noticed. But like he was like it's described like you, like they can smell it like walking up the stairs to get the apartment. It's really gross. Into a random apartment. Um. Well, I'll get into that. I'll get into whose apartment okay. it is. But so he goes. He goes in, and the first thing he sees are her like shabby patent leather shoes with, with the, the with buckle the on them. With the buckle, and then he moves on and sees like whatever her shabby, like her like ugly clothes, and then her face has been smashed. Ooh. So it's unrecognizable. So what if it's not her? What if it's not her? So, so what? So first, I'll first, I'll get. Oh uh, yeah, I'll get to that because they do. They discover her handbag in the chest as well that has like I- identification for her. Mm-hmm. But they're kind of like. Why would you, it's this, both of them are, both Inspector Jop and Poirot are kind of thinking the same thing of, like, why would you um, smash in her face? That clearly, that's to say, like, she's on, she's to make her unrecognizable, but then leave her purse that has her identification in it in the same chest. Like, that doesn't add up. So Poirot wants them to double check her ID, which they can do with, like, dental records. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, is that this apartment belonged to Mrs. Albert Chapman, who... This is, there's a whole thing here. So Mrs. Albert Chapman had lived at the apartment complex for years and years and years. Mrs. Sainsbury, Sainsbury Seal had visited once before, the porter says. So the porter had seen Mrs. Sainsbury Seal enter um, this this one time, when the, the day she went missing. And then maybe like a couple weeks to a month before she'd also come to the apartment. So she'd been once before. The reason the porter hadn't said anything for a month was because on the same day that he had let in Miss Sainsbury Seal that night, he'd come down with like an illness um, and had been in the hospital for a month. Suspicious? Okay, so now I know what happened. A little bit suspicious. 
So um, he didn't, he just like happened to be looking through newspaper clippings when he got out of the hospital and realized that he had seen this woman go up to Ms. Mm -hmm. Chapman's apartment. Mrs. Albert Chapman has not been seen. Her name is Sylvia, but her husband is Albert Chapman. Yeah. Um, she has not been seen since. Like, she basically went away then, which was not abnormal for her. In the years she had stayed there, she would sometimes go away for months. So there was no suspicion around why she wasn't, mm-hmm. like, why she had just up and left and had been gone for a month. No one's suspicious. So, but no one's seen her since. So we all so they interview. Yes. Right. So they kind of look around her apartment and um, her Paro kind of describes how her clothes are they're like really presentable and like well put together mm-hmm. but they're not first class clothes yet the furs that were taken out of the trunk were first class furs. Interesting. He also goes and like checks the shoe and like the shoe fits the woman really like it's a good fit on the shoe and it's um, the buckle has just been like re-sewn on. So the shoes fit the the pagan kind of shoes fit the body that's in the truck. I th- yeah, which I think he's checking because he was looking to see um, the shoes that Mrs. Albert Chapman wore. There's you can kind of tell like he's like is this yeah. Sainsbury's deal or is this Chapman? No, I know well because I'm suspicious with those shoes that he found that were too small and at Sainsbury Seal's apartment. Yeah, right? so those those were evening shoes. They weren't they weren't the like regular pat, like the buckle shoes. So. That's all a little confusing. So then they go to talk to um, Mrs. Chapman's like closest friend in the apartment complex. Uh, her name is honestly not that important, so <laughs> I don't really remember it. Again, she's not gonna. F- oh, it's Mrs. Morton. She's yeah. not really gonna factor into things, but she basically again tells them nothing. Like there's a whole lot of nothing going on here, and the only thing she does kind of say is that Chapman had let slip by accident one day that her husband was in the Secret Service. Oh my god, more spies. Yeah. The British Secret Service and the American Secret Service. The British the British Secret Service. And so Poirot and Jap were a little kind of suspicious of this because they're like, what? Who would? This seems like a setup maybe a little bit. But, like, they're not sure. Anyways. So they they go back to the apartment and the, the uh, one of, the, like, the, like, regular sergeant, like, police officers has been going through everything. And has pulled up her address book, which Paro flips through. There are no notable addresses in it. Like, there's nothing personal. It's all, like, business addresses. The one that's in there is her dentist, Dr. Morley. Okay. So, kind of, like, how is everything tied together? Next, Mr. Barnes, the home office guy, pays a visit to Poirot. Mm -hmm. And he says that Albert Chapman was a Secret Service member. Um, he's, he has, like, he knows his number, he, like, knew some of the, he kind of was, like, yeah, he kind of did, he did, like, routine work, like, he was never at the top of anything, he was a, like, regular, kind of, regular spy, but he's pretty sure he's dead, like, he's pretty sure he died on the job, um, and then he says that, like, he should have never told his wife anything, like, he basically, he was saying, if you're a Secret Service member, if you want to get married, you should leave the Secret Service, but you shouldn't get married in the first place, like, you shouldn't Mm -hmm. have ties like that, Mm -hmm. so he's kind of saying that's weird, or that's bad. So next, Jap arrives with the dental records of the body. Yeah, who is it? What do you think happened? I mean, okay, so I mean, it feels pretty obvious that... Mrs. Sainsbury Seal 
use Mrs. Albert as whatever. But then, because Mrs. Albert is involved with the spy stuff, I think it equally could be Mrs. Sainsbury's seal. So now mm. I don't know. It's all confusing. So the dental records come to show that the dead body was Mrs. Chapman. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Inter- oh my Josh- gosh. Yeah, but the what? shoe fits. The shoe fits. Yeah. Very confusing. So Jop calls up and says that the investigation has been called off. Like the home office, home office is worried about, um, basically they're worried about Mr. Chapman. Like they're worried about that this spy is kind of involved with things and don't want anything. Like they don't want, they don't want anything bad to happen for the country. So they're like, we're calling it off. Like who cares where Miss Sainsbury seal is? It's over. Move on. Mm-hmm. They're worried about like what's going on with that. So it's called off. Um, so Poirot tells Jap, like, well, it's called off for you, but that doesn't mean anything for me. I don't report to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then Poirot gets a telephone call, um, and, or no, first he gets a letter from Alistair Blunt asking if he'll take a commission from him, so, like, asking him to come over, mm-hmm. um, which he's down with, and then he gets a telephone call, and it's a woman telling him, you've gotten a letter today from Alistair Blunt, stay out of this business. Like you don't, this is none of your business. You shouldn't be working on this. Stay out. Stop. Stop working on this. And this was This was a, called her Kuparo. And he kind of, he, he's, he's like, I don't give a damn. Like I'll do whatever I want. Yeah. Um, but he does, he feels like he recognizes the voice and he's not sure whose it is. Salesbury. Seal. Seal. Sainsbury Seal, perhaps? <gasps> could be Neville. I'm trying to think of all the women we know. Yeah. So he oh, could be Jane. Mm-hmm. Sorry? So it could be Jane. Yep. Okay. So then the next thing that happens is that in the news he hears that a young Indian man had shot at the Prime Minister coming out of 10 Downing Street. Oh my god. Um, and Jack calls him. Jack calls him and is like, well, first off, the Prime Minister was walking out of his house with a friend. Do you know who that friend was? Blunt. Alistair Blunt. Yes, Alistair Blunt. exactly. And do you know who happened to be outside of 10 Downing Street? Rakes. Rakes was there. Um, seems like maybe to cause What was Rakes doing because... there? Exactly. Right away after the shooting, he had grabbed a man, like an older man, and said that he like was yelling that he caught the shooter. But it wasn't the shooter. It was just some random old guy. Sorry, so Rakes there. was outside 10 Downing Street. But I mean, this is not yeah. the 10 Downing Street that I saw that one time that had so much security it wasn't even funny. Maybe like... It is could... the same one. No, no, but is it like, would they have had that much security that you couldn't like... like Now there... there's like gates and stuff around it. Do you think yeah, um could have been like near it or no? I guess theoretically, I, I definitely not as much security. It's 1945. Yeah, right? But it is 1945. Like True. Okay. I, I don't know. I There's no mention. There clearly were, like, secret service agents around because they catch the killer pretty soon. So definitely more heavily policed, but I don't know to what. Would did you would you describe Miss Sainsbury, Sainsbury Seal as being old or young? Let's say she's 40. 40 to 50. Okay, okay, okay. Like, middle-aged, I think, is the way she's described. And the young Indian man shot at the Prime Minister? Or potentially shot at the That's how the news is reco- reporting okay. it, that he shot at the Prime Minister, but... but. Um, Jop just wants to point out that, like, he was with a friend and it was Alistair Blunt. So let's, you know, yeah. who knows. So 
Barnell goes to visit Blunt because he's been asked to. And the butler tells him, oh, we're so sorry. We called to say, like, Blunt had to go to the prime minister's obvious office, obviously, after all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's not here. We tried to call you to, like, arrange a better time. Um, but basically what it comes down to is Poirot is invited to come to their, like, cottage for the weekend or their, like, summer house or whatever you want to call it. Okay. Which he accepts. Um, and while he's there... Mrs. Oliveira, the like Jane Oliveira's mm. mother, comes in and she's like all pissed because like you know Poirot's poorer than them and it's like he's gonna be spending the weekend with us. Oh, how like this is awful, yada yada yada. You know all that kind of like why do you care type mm. nonsense. And Jane Oliveira comes in and is like pissed at Poirot. She's mad that he's coming down for the weekend and that's weird because mm-hmm. she seemed chill with him before and now she's all mad. Um, so they leave the room kind of fighting the mother and daughter and as they're leaving Poirot has this like click of realizing the voice that he recognizes the mother Mrs. Oliveira it's her voice that he recognized so it sounded like Jane no it sounded like the mother but he's never met the mother he has met the mother when did he meet the mother she was I think in the room when he she he had visited um Oliveira and Blunt before See, that's funny because I didn't know that part, so I had literally written down my notes of Mrs. Oliveira exists because I didn't know if she existed or not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Got she it. basically hasn't been involved at all. Yeah. So he's like, how is that possible? This fits in with none of my theories that she's the one that made the voice call. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So he's, he almost, he like says basically, I must be getting old. My ears are deceiving me and that's never happened before. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. Um, so then the next day they pick Poro up to go to the summer house and Blunt basically Why tells him not the summer house. Because like... Alistair Blunt Alistair Blunt wants to hire him for a commission, wasn't able to tell him the day before. Okay. So I think just maybe to get on good terms with him. I mm-hmm. not clear. Poro accepted though. So Blunt tells him he's not satisfied with um, the murder. Like, he wants to know where Miss Sainsbury Seal is, but he knows that it's, the investigation's been called off. So he wants to hire him on commission to find Miss Sainsbury Seal. Why does he want to find Miss Sainsbury Seal so bad? So he's now kind of thinking, he's he's thinking that um, it's really fishy that she came out of the dentist office that day. He doesn't think it's a fluke. Like, he thinks that it was, like, planned. It was a ruse that she mm-hmm. had kind of introduced himself to her that one day and he's like more sure than ever that she had never met his wife before and so it's very like Uh, what is going on right 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 um and so Poirot also asks he's like I just want to know who gets money from your will and Uh, Albert's like what uh but he tells him anyways he he will be leaving money to Mrs. Oliveira and Miss Oliveira the mother, mother and daughter um, I think smaller sums of money that all, an Oliver won't be able to touch it, touch the capital. It will be like, she can only get the, like the interest every year. He leaves a lot to charity and then he leaves like, I think most, most of his money to his only surviving relative who is a, it's like another distant relative, but it's actually, she's blood related to him. Um, Helen Montressor, who's this Scott woman who he has, uh, allows to live in the like guest house on his like okay. summer home yard whatever so she lives there i assume year round it's not gone into detail so i don't know so that's his will the next morning while okay. on a walk in the garden 
<laughs> Everyone's dead. I mean, Next morning. Will, so. Sorry? Did you mention a will, so like that means you don't have much time. True. That's true. So next morning, Poirot's on a walk in the garden, and he finds that one of the gardeners is none other than Frank, Frank Carter. Yep. Yep. So he's like, what the heck? So he asks Blunt about it, and Blunt is kind of like, yeah, I think we hired a new gardener a couple weeks ago. I really don't know. Like, I'm not in charge of that kind of thing. And then he, Poirot asks, like, how much he would be paid, and he's like, definitely no more than 250 pounds a week. Probably less. <sighs> So Frank's a spy. That's my so It's like, me. what is going on here? It's just like, what, what is going on? <laughs> so then Blunt takes Pra on another walk through his garden, but like he's now showing him his favorite parts of the garden. Um, and when they're there, it seems someone, there's like a gardener trimming the hedges. Um, and when they're passing by the hedges that they're trimming, a shot rings out. Oh my God. And worst. No, no one seems to be hit, but then Rakes pulls Carter out from behind the hedges, and Carter is holding a gun. Sorry, when did Rakes get there? So I think Rakes had been there the whole weekend. He had been been there, like, making out with Jane Oliveira. Like, he'd followed her there, but wasn't actually okay. staying at the house. Was just yeah. in the area. Poirot had, like, mentioned the night before he thought he saw two lovers spring apart who had been, like, canoodling. Mm. So, <laughs> so Rakes... Pulls Carter and was like, look, he's a gun. Out from behind the bushes. And he kind of goes like, I've got him. I've got him. I heard the shot. And then I saw Carter holding the gun. And Carter goes, I did not fire the shot. I heard the shot too. And then I looked at my, like, uh, the gun dropped at my feet. And I just picked it up like any normal person would do if you saw a gun on the ground. Which my first thought was, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would never okay. pick up a gun. <laughs> I'd run away. But whatever. <laughs> There's too many people in this novel. It's such a a wild, like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. So we're, we're getting to the end, which is good, because this is taking forever. So hey, Carter... Podcast. <laughs> Carter says that he had been paid by the home office to spy on the other gardeners. Why did I say he's a blunt. spy? Come on. Uh, which everyone's that. like, uh, wait, wait, yeah, sorry, sure. Who's spying on him? Who's spying on him? The other gardeners. Oh yeah, right. Which Paro basically like, yeah, that's the that's the kind of story a man like Carter would come up with. Like that's what he thinks is real. It's like their opinion. Um, and then Rakes later in the day, basically now they have to let Rakes stay at the house because he just say like he's like saved Alistair Blunt's life from Carter. Mm -hmm. Um, so he comes to find Paro later and's like, I'm gonna come clean and say that um. The like, because Poirot's like, how am I supposed to believe that two days in a row you've yeah. caught the quote-unquote shooter, and the first day you caught the wrong shooter, so why am I believing you this time that this is the right shooter? Mm -hmm. And so Rakes is like, listen, I'll come clean. I was I was actually outside 10 Downing Street just to, like, see what was going on. I had no other purpose of being there. When I saw the Indian guy shoot at the PM, I know him. He's, like, kind of a friend. He hates the Prime Minister. He was actually shooting at the Prime Minister, not Blunt. Mm. and I just wanted to, like, give him a distraction to get away, so I, like, in the heat of the moment, grabbed the man and said he was the shooter wow. to, like, try and help him, but it wasn't planned. Wanted okay. to come clean, but for real, I saw Carter holding the gun. Okay, then. Um, 
So the next day, Poirot allows the rest of the household accompany Blunt to church. Blunt goes to like is goes to church every week. Um, and while they're singing the, uh, this hymn, the words go, The proud have laid a snare for me and spread a net with cords. Yah, and set traps in my way. And he suddenly realizes the traps that he has fallen into. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. So now we're basically, Paro has now solved the murder at this point. Okay, he's figured so out. Get, he's now just looking talk. for evidence. So let me tell you one, there's one more thing, because now he's like looking for evidence. So there's this mm-hmm. one more point that he kind of goes to find. Gladys, uh, not Gladys, the maid who I don't think we've talked to yet at this point, um, because she wasn't really important to the story um, that no one suspected her. She's been kind of holding back a little bit of information. And so she kind of calls up for office. The maid of, yeah, the maid of the, the dentist sister who lives upstairs. So um, the sister has moved to the country. She did not want to live there anymore. Um, and the maid has come with her. Um, the maid calls up Paro and is like, I have something to say. Paro goes to see her. And basically she says, I didn't know if I should say this at the time. I wasn't really sure. But when it was declared a suicide, I didn't think it important because like it has not, like if it's a suicide, then this doesn't matter. And I didn't want to get involved with the police. And it's all this like rambling about like not That's wanting scary. to get involved with the police. Yeah. She had the day of the murder. She knew that there was mail coming for her, but like wanted to know if it had arrived. So it gone out onto the banister and looked down the stairs. And when she looked down, she saw Frank Carter on the stairs, kind of like looking around and like listening. And then she saw him go into Morley's office. Okay. Let's say he he went in like around twelve around twelve thirty. I don't know if they give a specific. I don't know if she had a specific time, but like around then. And she's like, I can't say anything else. I was I was called away right after that to go help with lunch. So I didn't see anything else. But I saw him go into the office. Okay. And so Paro's was like, thank you. Yes, this was important. Thank you for telling me and leaves. He goes to then see Carter is in jail right now. They've like got him locked up. And he goes to Inspector Jop and is like, I need to talk to Carter. And Jop's like, why? And Paro's like, I can't tell you that, but it's important. And Jop's mm-hmm. like, it'll be fine. And he goes in to see Carter. He tells Carter what the maid has told him. And Carter just goes, that's a lie. I would. That is not true at all. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. That's lie. She's lying. She's lying. And Poirot is kind of fed up at this point. He's like tired. He's like, oh, dude, I'm trying to help you. I don't think you did it. Mm-hmm. You tell me the truth. Like this, we know she's not lying. If mm-hmm. you go on trial, they're going to believe her. They're not going to believe you. Yeah. Luckily, Frank Carter has some sense and tells Poirot, okay, fine, I'll tell you. I went to see Morley that day mm-hmm. and I really wanted to see him. And so I waited until the patient had left. And then I, I went into his office ready to start yelling at him. And I saw him laying on the floor dead. dead. Okay. And I went and like, I touched his hand. He felt cold. Interesting. Um, and I, I just panicked and ran away. Mm-hmm. And so it's this realization for Paro and Jap that Frank Carter had probably seen the murderer and not mm-hmm. recognized them. And not recognize the murderer. Not recognize him. So that is, I'm pretty sure I have given you all the facts you need, although I'm no mystery novelist. Mm-hmm. Um, but would you like to theorize on what happened? Yeah, I got lots of theorizing because I'm really bad at this. Okay. And I have, I've always <laughs> wanted to get an Agatha Christie and like, take notes, but this is still not helpful anyway. Okay, <laughs> so let's do this. So Frank saw the murderer but didn't recognize the murderer. Now, we know that Ambriotis... Mm-hmm. Was this mystery guy? 
He ended up dying yeah. of an overdose of anesthesia. So we don't really know how. Yes. And yeah. they do think they're mm-hmm. they're sure that it was injected. Like it wasn't in his stomach, it was in his bloodstream. So he had been okay. they're pretty sure like there's so, no reason to suspect that it didn't happen at the dentist's office. I'm just trying to think of who Frank would have known. Because I'm I'm still not convinced. So he could have seen Andrea. He wouldn't have recognized anybody. He know, would he have recognized would he have recognized Mrs. Sainsbury, do you think? Because I'm still not no. I'm still suspicious about her. No, he would have just assumed he would have recognized nobody. So the thing that he didn't recognize the murderer is kind of that it's not important in the sense that like he would like, have recognized nobody. Like know it wasn't nobody. Gladys. Like I'm not gonna find out it was Gladys or something like that. Okay. Okay. So there's a lot to unpack here. So I'm just gonna go over what I got so far. Right? Yep. So, the dentist dies. Same with his patient. His patient is most likely a spy. At the time, there was also at least Frank Carter, who was being a spy in the office. There was also Barnes in the office, who's a spy. There was also, that same day, Blunt, who is this businessman businessman and keeps trying to be killed. And then we also have I just, I'm going back to this young Indian man, and I feel like it could be, what if it's Mrs. Sainsbury's child? That's why I was mm. asking how old she he was, she was, and maybe she mm. had a child. Uh-huh. But then, Mrs. Chapman's dead, and she's in a trunk, and you're like, how long has she been dead for? Could Mrs. Sainsbury have been, like, impersonating her? Or, um... I just, I just yeah. have this suspicion that Mrs. Fainsbury was a spy because uh-huh. she said she was an actress, right? Yes. Right? She was an actress yeah. and she spent time in India, maybe, but, okay, here's another suspicion. Sorry, I've gotten, this is sorry, something I thought of but didn't, whatever. What if Mrs. Chapman wasn't, sorry, yeah, changed the, changed the whole thing. Sorry, this is what I meant to say. What if Mrs. Chapman was impersonating Mrs. Sainsbury? Because Mrs. Sainsbury mm-hmm. was supposed to be in India. Maybe she never came back. Oh, but the mm-hmm. person saw Mrs. Saint. But they would have recognized Mrs. Chapman. Because I'm like, right? Because they saw the, the person who got sick after seeing Mrs. Sainsbury. Um, yeah. He probably would have recognized Mrs. Chapman as well. So they do, they do say they know Mrs. Sainsbury came back from India. This is, I wasn't sure how important this was, um, so I didn't write it down, which is why I've forgotten until now. Mm-hmm. Um, she came back on a boat with Mr. Ambriotis. They were both on the same boat coming back from India. Okay, well that's suspicious. They they weren't in the same class, so there's no reason for anyone to think that they would have spoken to each other either, ever, because they wouldn't have been I on know, the same but deck. I still feel like she was trailing him or something like that. Mm, I see. Okay. So there is a po- there here, is a possible connection there, but no, like... Here is my anything. thought. Mrs. Sainsbury stayed in the office, waited for Mr. Ambrosia to come in. She, Mrs. Sainsbury yeah. is some sort of spy of some sort, is my opinion. Because okay, yeah. of the whole Mrs. Chapman thing and that whole spy situation. And like, oh, but then there's Mr. Barnes, who's like, we know is a spy. Okay, I think... Mrs. Sainsbury stayed in the office, got Mr. Morley to ring, or ring the bell. Maybe she killed Mr. Morley, got the mm-hmm. bell to be rung. Mr. Ambriosa comes in. Maybe she's pretending to be, like, the assistant who was out of the office that day because of the telegram. Uh-huh. 
and then kills, like, kills Mr. Ambriosa. But then he would have seen the dead body. Okay, that's all. Well, but then there's Mr. Blunt and how he keeps being shot at. And how the, how, uh, friggin', what's his face? Um, Frank just started working and was, like, spying. Mm -hmm. I don't know. who hired him. Yeah, who hired him? Okay, I'm still convinced that Mrs. Sainsbury (laughs) is some sort of, like, a key part of this. And I'm still convinced that I'm right about something to do with she was there, she didn't leave, he came in, she killed, oh, maybe she Mm -hmm. killed Mr. Ambriosa, but then why would she, why would Dr. Morley be okay with that? Was Dr. Molly ever, oh, sorry, let me look if I ever saw that he was also a spy, shot himself, no. Um, there's there's no reason to believe he was a spy. Okay. Yeah, so then why would she want him dead? I guess maybe to put that dumb thing, like, that he killed himself after accidentally killing Mr. Ambriosa. Why kill Miss Chapman? Mrs. Chapman. Right. Why kill Mrs. Chapman? Because Mrs. Chapman was the wife of Mr. Chapman. But Mr. Chapman, we don't know if he's dead or not. What if Mr. Chapman is Mr. Barnes? Okay? Mm. And then that's why Mr. Barnes didn't want them getting into this because of the whole Mr. Chapman thing. Mm. And so Mr. Barnes wants... Less Mr. spies than we think there are. Well, we know Mr. Barnes is a spy. Because he works yes, for but, the... Yes, but, you know, you're consolidating spies. Oh, yeah, so there's less spies. <laughs> okay. Oh, but then why would... So Chapman... Oh, and then there was that whole thing where Chapman... Where Sainsbury... Okay, I got it. I got it. Okay, go for it. The Chapmans don't exist. The Chapman okay. is Sainsbury. And, um... And Mr. Chapman is Barnes. Okay. And so... Oh, but then that doesn't make sense because the dental records make sense of being Chapman. So maybe Mrs. Sainsbury doesn't exist? And she is Mrs. Chapman? Like, maybe they're Mm -hmm. kind of the same person? And then Barnes and Mr. Chapman's is the same person? Oh, but then we have Rakes. But Rakes could just be, like, he's just the lover of Jane Oliveira. So he's actually nobody. Mm -hmm. Then Why would Barnes have been at the dentist office on the day. Like, why would he have needed to be there if he was somehow involved in this thing? Maybe mm-hmm. to confirm? But then Mrs. Chapman Sainsbury would have re- known who Ambriosita was. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's crazy. my final thing. My final thing is that Mrs. Mr. Barnes and Mr. Chapman are the same person, and Mrs. Sainsbury and Mrs. Chapman is the same person. Mr. Barnes killed his wife who is a mm-hmm. spy, and yeah. it's some sort of something like that, and then Blunt, Blunt knows the Prime Minister, there's all that yep. talk about Blunt's will, Yep. if it's that gosh darn Helen lady, then I'm done with, the lady on the, the house. <laughs> um, Trying to get all the money. Yeah, because there's the whole shoe thing, that the shoes fit, and shoes seem to be very yep. prominent in this book. Um, yes. Oh, wait. to Buckle My Shoe, original title. Right. But wait, so if Mrs. Chapman and Sainsbury are the same woman, and then Sainsbury did that thing to get that money from Blunt, then there uh-huh. has to be some sort of connection with Blunt. Blunt is in with the Prime Minister. 
Oh, and then that would also make sense why Blunt and Sainsbury. No, no, that doesn't make sense. <gasps> what if this is Sainsbury? <laughs> it was actually Blunt's wife. There's another twist. And the wife mm. never died. <laughs> and that's why he didn't marry, because his wife was still alive. No. So, like, I'm just going back. Again. So, Poirot was there, but we're, we're taking Carter out of the equation, so we don't have to care about him. Okay. Lunch was, went into the dentist, then Sainsbury, then Mrs. Am Mrs. Then Ambriotis. I yeah. think Sainsbury sent the telegram so that she could pretend to be the hygienist so that she can kill Ambriotis. I'm okay. convinced with that. I also think that Sainsbury and Al Chapman are the same person. Mrs. Chapman are the same okay. person. And I'm still convinced right. that um, Barnes and Mr. Chapman are the same person. Okay. And But the question is, how does Blunt play into this? <laughs> Do you want to hear the answer? Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Am I right about anything? So you are. You're kind of close on a, a couple things. So okay. you can you can chime in when you hear those things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, Poirot goes to Blunt and is kind of like, okay, I think I know where St. Seal is. Yeah. And Blunt goes... Okay, is she dead or alive? And Poirot was like, well, that depends on how you want to look at who Mrs. Sainsbury Seal is. Told you, she's not a real person! Thank you. So Mrs. Sainsbury Seal, uh, how should I do this? Okay, so I, I forget exactly how he tells this, so I'll tell it my own way. But basically, mm -hmm. Sainsbury Seal had come across on this boat, and Poirot, is, is he's theorizing a little bit here. He, let's say he's theorizing through all of this, and we'll, we'll mm -hmm. come to what he actually knows at the end. He theorizes that Sainsbury Seal had met up, had talked to Ambriotis, maybe helped with her bags or something like that. He was this, again, I said he was womanized at the beginning. He was this kind of man who, he was a blackmailer. He was trying to get information everywhere possible. So he was very, very nice to people to get information out of them. Mm -hmm. So he probably helped her with her bags. He's probably nice to her. They kind of got this like slightly working relationship. And so when she met up with him, she saw him one day in England, mm -hmm. once they were already back. She went and met with him at his hotel and they had a conversation after she had just seen Blunt coming out of the dentist office, who she did know. She did know his wife, right. but not his rich wife, his first wife that nobody knows about. Okay. So Poirot says that Mrs. Amesbury Seal had told Ambriotis, a blackmailer, about a wife that nobody knows about that Blunt has. And so Blunt needed to get rid of. Ambriotis and Mrs. Sainsbury Seal. Because oh. how do you get rid of a blackmailer? You kill a blackmailer. Got it. So he says this would have happened when Sainsbury Seal visited Mrs. Chapman for the first time. That's when Miss Sainsbury Seal was killed. Oh wow! So Chapman had been being Mrs. Sainsbury. So Mrs. So Chapman took over Mrs. Sainsbury's clothes. Um, went and lived at this hotel and like put on this persona for Mrs. Sainsbury Seal. So had been Miss Sainsbury Seal for a while. Okay. And when they went to the dentist, Blunt went in for his appointment. Harcourt went in for his appointment. He knew Morley. Who knew Morley was alive. Yeah. Blunt goes in for his appointment next. He gets his teeth fixed. As soon as his teeth are fixed, he's going to leave. He shoots Morley in the head. Yeah. Then Mrs. Sainsbury Seal comes in for her appointment, but it's not Mrs. Sainsbury Seal, it's Mrs. Chapman. They move the body to the office that's connected to the dentist. Then Mrs. Sainsbury Seal leaves. Okay. And Mr. Blunt stays. 
He calls up for the next patient, who is Mr. Ambriotis, who has never, never met seen Morley. Mr. Dr. Morley before, so doesn't know what he looks like. And yeah. Mr. Blunt wasn't in the public eye very much. Like, it's still, like, you know, it's before TV and everything, or kind of, yeah. like, he just, he wasn't, he wasn't in the public eye. People wouldn't have really know what he looked like, even if they knew who he was. So he gives Ambriotis an overdose of anesthesia, which, yeah. one, is going to kill him, and two, helps to cover up the fact that he has no idea what he's doing and can't, like, isn't actually fixing his teeth. Okay. Because he can't feel anything. Um, so then Ambriotis right. leaves. Blunt, by himself, moves the body back into the dentist office, and that accounts for the scuff on the carpet because he didn't have a partner this time. Mm. Sets it up at the gun, washes his hands, and leaves. Okay. So the body is discovered, and so what happens next is Chapman goes back to her apartment as Miss Sain- or her hotel as Miss Sainsbury Seal, kind of has this big show of announcing she's leaving, goes back to her apartment, dressed as Miss Sainsbury Seal, changes her outfit, and leaves for good. Okay. While they were both in the dentist office, wait, wait, wait. both the cha- buckle shoes, the both buckle Chapman. Shoes. Okay. Let me, well, let me well, look up there. Yeah. Both Chapman and Sainsbury Seal both had records at the same dentist office. They just switched them while they were there. Oh, because that, that was a question I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. And so the shoes, that was, I, I, I tried to not be super clear with this, but when I said that Poirot saw her feet coming out of the car that first time, I said they were new patent leather shoes. Mm-hmm. When he saw the shoes in the trunk, they were shabby patent leather shoes. Mm-hmm. So she just bought the same shoes. So they didn't fit her because she was a size too small. So that also accounted for the evening shoes. So she didn't need to re- like replace all the shoes, okay. but she her feet were a size smaller, and so she needed to replace the evening shoes and the patent leather ones okay. that didn't fit her. So they were. She probably got rid of like the shoes are long gone by now, but she had the shoes did fit Miss Sainsbury Seal, who was dead in the trunk. They also purposely, Paro thought this was suspicious for the beginning. Why would you bash in someone's face mm-hmm. to, like, theoretically obscure their identity, but then leave their purse with their identity in the trunk? Yeah. It was because they wanted them to check the dental records. They needed some way for them to think they needed to check the dental records to show that it was Miss Chapman. They needed to mm-hmm. get rid of the identity of Miss Chapman. Yeah. So then, where Miss Chapman isn't a real person. What okay. Paro realizes is that she is Blunt's actual wife, who is currently living as Helen Montressor, the blood relative. Uh, in house. She okay, is, so is, Chapman doesn't exist. That was my question. I was like, so then who is Miss? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. So what? So Blunt had set up that gun that Carter had fired. Carter hadn't fired the gun. They had this is this seems implausible to me, but what they say happened is that they set up the gun in the hedges so that while Carter was trimming the hedges, he out. would set off the gun. Mm-hmm. So like Blunt was purposely leaving Poirot by the hedges at that time, yeah. knowing that the gun would be set off. Um, Blunt had also hired Carter pretending to be the home office and paid him more to quote unquote spy on the hedges, spy on the gardeners. As a ruse, basically, to get him there. Like, they were just trying to frame him. Yeah. So it was this whole thing. Okay, well, I got a few um, questions, so. Yeah, ask me questions, because I don't remember, I don't remember everything so perfectly. So what's Mr. So Barnes, and who is Mr. Chapman? So I think, um, so, Poirot leaves, leaves Blunt. Blunt is basically saying, like, he did all this for the greater good, like, um, 
they were going to expose him and he controls Europe. And so you had to do this because he's like, he's the most important person. Whereas Pura was saying, uh, no, all lives matter. Like, this is mm-hmm. my dentist. He deserved to live. Because basically Morley was, Morley didn't need to die. He was just killed yeah. as a means of getting the embryotis. Mm-hmm. So Pura leaves. I think, I think Blunt like admits everything but admits it in the sense of like, but you can't try me because like I had to do this. So he leaves Blunt's house and as he's walking away, Barnes comes up beside him and says to Poirot, I'm really sorry I led you astray. I like felt like I had to, but I just wanted to let you know the reason, the reason I was so confused before is that I am Albert Chapman and I don't have a wife. Uh, but I was right. Barnes and is Mr. Yes. Chapman. Yes. And Mrs. Yep. Gainsbury and Mrs. Chapman are the same person, even though not really. Kind of. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, that's what I meant. So you were, you were on to like. You and then I was right that Helen was going to be like the thing. Yep. <laughs> okay, I still got a question though. Why yeah. does it matter so much that he has a secret wife and why did he pretend that his second wife died? Okay, so second wife did die. Um. So, yeah, but that's Helen a good question. So, what did. Yeah. So what had happened was that he had married her, her name. I don't remember her actual name. I don't even know if it said it's not Helen Montressor. That's like, she's taken on this personality. Part of the reason that's another like thing that Pro knows is um, Helen Montressor had died in Canada years ago. Mm. So she's dead. Like she, this can't be a real person has to be an impersonator. But so um, Blunt and the first wife, We'll call her Helen because I don't remember her actual name. Uh, they met in, let's say, like university, mm-hmm. um, but his parents wouldn't have approved of Helen mm-hmm. as a wife because she was an actress and he was going to go into business. And he might have already like been working, like he was at Oxford, like you know he was already kind of like high powered at that point, like he was already doing well. So they decided to get married and keep their marriage a secret. Mm-hmm. which they just kind of continued to do and enjoyed. So she lived as Mrs. Chapman. She had some like other personalities and they had a lot of fun keeping this all a secret and like being doing this in secret. Mm-hmm. And so when the, when Blunt's like public wife came around the rich woman, mm-hmm. um, he said that he was also like, he was, he really cared for her. Um, and it kind of made sense for him to marry like a high power woman to one advance his career mm-hmm. and um, to like for a public image of him being married. So both him and his actual wife had, like, they had agreed to this and, like, enjoyed more of the secrecy. But it meant that he had committed bigotry, I think. Yeah. I didn't look into this. What does that mean? Is that just when you're married twice? Yeah, I think so. Isn't it? It's something to be about being, I think it's something about being married twice, but it's different than polygamy. Oh, it's bigamy. It's not bigotry. It's bigamy. Bigotry Bigamy. Is, uh, oh, my yeah, God. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so it's uh, so big. Me, I think it was something to do with even after the second wife had died, the rich wife had died. She couldn't. The one they really enjoyed having her kind of be like a secret, like they had a lot of fun with it. But two, um, he like it would come out that he was married mm-hmm. to her before. Like it just was too dangerous for his like career and for the you know he's so important and powerful. It'd be dangerous for the country and whatever. So that's kind of where she fits in, and also somehow had no qualms mm-hmm. about killing people. I'm not really sure what she's crazy. What's that? But she did. They so she had um, the Miss Sainsbury seal. They had been friends um, in school. Like they had met at acting in acting classes and things. They were both actors. Interesting. I did not think so, of a second wife hectic. or first wife thing. 
And then Rakes was just kind of like a red yeah. flag. Rakes was kind of just a red flag. He does, you kind of realize, um, I think he says when Carter had fired, quote unquote, fired the shot, even though it wasn't really him, it was like, mm-hmm. an, like a setup. Um, he kind of says to Poirot that he realizes that in that moment where like a blunt could have died, he realized that he doesn't want blunt dead. He just want like, he just wants him to like, he wishes he wasn't in power, but he doesn't right. want anyone dead. Like he, he doesn't feel that way. Um, but yeah, he's not involved. So I, I looked at what bigamy is, and it says the act of going through a marriage ceremony while already married to another person. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So probably illegal, yeah. I would assume, and that was not not good. Huh. So what do you think, Shar? This is a good episode. It's not an episode. Good book. Just because it was so like twisty, turny, yeah. it didn't really make any sense. But like now it makes sense. Yeah, that's why I picked I it. Love I love all the finest. I thought there was a lot yeah. going on. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you were able to solve some part of the mystery, if not all of it. And we will... You can hear from us next time on Murder Mystery Podcast. Goodbye.